Hey, Braves fans, welcome to another edition of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. It's uh, really good to be back with you uh, as we launch into our next episode, and that is uh, looking at the Braves' starting rotation needs. Uh, so we are moving very rapidly towards um, towards the regular season as just a few weeks remaining uh, in spring training. And so as we get into this, uh, I really want to dive into what the Braves have, uh, what uh, the NL East has also, kind of comparing the Braves' starting rotation to the Mets, to the Phillies, and even the Marlins. Uh, also uh, looking outside of the division to probably their most likely challenger, and that, of course, is the uh, the more and more hated Los Angeles Dodgers, um, as, of course, they have added Freddie Freeman, and that just adds to this growing rivalry uh, that's occurring in the National League. So I want to really look into those teams that are likely to challenge the Braves this year uh, and see what the Braves need to do potentially to improve their starting rotation. Uh, so let's jump right into this. Uh, the first thing I want to do is just review uh, the current starters for the Braves. Uh, most of you probably know this, um, but we want to remind ourselves of what we do have. And the first uh, being, of course, Max Freed, the guy who was on the mound in the deciding game of the World Series. Freed has been a very consistently um, excellent starter for the Braves throughout much of his run. He had uh, kind of a slow start to uh, last season, which is basically every Brave on the team had a slow start last year, um, but he picked it up. Uh, if you remember, he went on the DL kind of early in the year. As soon as he got back, he got right and uh, was was very good uh, from there on out. Charlie Morton is coming back. Remember, he's coming back from that leg fracture that he uh, sustained during the World Series. So that's a little bit of a question mark. How is he going to bounce back? Uh, Morton is getting up there in age. This could be his last season. Um, I think there's a potential for him to come back for one final run um, the year after, but you just don't know. You don't know how he's going to hold up uh, generally, uh, whether it's the leg or just being older, uh, the arm as well. So uh, there's some question mark behind Charlie Morton, but he's also been really good um, in the second half of his career. So we're hoping that he, he comes back and is as good as he was last year as well and then of course we have ian anderson uh the the youngest of the three um i think ian anderson has been so so good uh kind of historically good in the playoffs uh yet during the regular season he's been a little up and down i would say he didn't have a stellar um season last year in the regular season so uh, there's some question marks as to what we'll see from him day in day out I think that's the next step for him is to become more consistent and potentially become a more dominant pitcher. So these are clearly the top three guys in the Braves rotation. Uh, you know, you can stack these guys up pretty well against um, any other rotation in the National League. Um, but after we get beyond those three guys, what do we have? Um, it gets a little murkier from that point forward. So on paper, I think your fourth guy in the rotation is Oscar Inoa. Uh, you'll recall that he had a stretch of about 10 to 12 starts last season where he was actually the Braves' best pitcher. Uh, and then he punched a wall and he broke his hand and um, his season was kind of derailed at that point. 
so we've seen the best of Inoa. We know what he's capable of. Um, you have people who absolutely love Inoa and think um, he should be a mainstay in the in the rotation. That he's going to be a great pitcher uh, from here on out. You have others who think he's not going to be able to sustain what he uh, what he's been doing because he basically has two primary pitches. Um, some people don't think that's a big issue, right? That he can, uh, if he can dominate with those two pitches, uh, that he can be successful uh, long term. And you have some some upper tier pitchers like um, you know a, a Degrom who basically are able to do that because their their two best pitchers are so dominant. And Noah has a tremendous slider and he can throw his fastball at about 99 miles an hour. So he has those capabilities. Uh, but you never know what you're going to get with him. You know, you have the good Inoa, uh, who's dominant and almost unhittable, and then you have the bad Inoa, um, you know, who might give up three home runs in four innings. And so I, th I think there's some question mark as to how the Braves view him long term, uh, and, and that's something to really keep in mind. We'll, we'll bring him up a few more times throughout the course of this episode. But I think he is uh, the primary number four uh, option right now simply because he's been there and had some more success than some of these other guys. All right, so then the question is, uh, who fills out your rotation? Uh, one of the strengths that the Braves certainly have um, internally is their depth, right? They have a lot of arms who could potentially step up and be very good major league starting pitchers, um, not just this year, but for um, the long term. Uh, so let me list off a few of these. Uh, some of you might be more familiar with these guys than others. Uh, so I'm not going to dive too deeply into into each guy. Uh, but again, um, I'll, I'll mention a few things as we go. So Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright is um, has bounced back and forth between the minor leagues and major leagues for the last few years. Uh, some of you might recall he was the Braves' number one pick a few years ago. And so there's been a lot of expectations on him. Uh, he was in AAA the entirety of last season until the playoffs. And, of course, he had that masterful uh, start in uh, in the World Series. And that was to me, that was the, the turning point of the entire series. I give him a tremendous amount of credit. He earned that World Series ring uh, just on that one start. Uh, but the problem with Kyle Wright is he has not been consistent at the major league level. Um, in the 2020 playoffs, he had that huge uh, blow-up start against the Dodgers where they just went off. And so, you know, what he's going to give you long-term, he might come in and, and he finally has figured it out and has figured out his consistency and how he needs to approach hitters. I think that's always been his biggest issue is his approach has changed from uh, when he's in AAA and having success and then he gets to the big leagues and he tries to change something and it doesn't work. So if he can be just confident in the type of pitcher he is, uh, then maybe he can be that guy and that would be tremendous. Again, any of these guys figuring it out uh, and giving the Braves some consistent starts would be tremendous this season. All right, um, these other guys, and it's really in no particular order, uh, Bryce Elder, uh, Spencer Strider, Kyle Muller, Tucker Davidson. The only guy that we haven't seen at all at the big league level so far is Bryce Elder. Um, I hear a lot of really good things about Elder. Um, Spencer Strider uh, just came up very, very briefly at the end of last last season. I think he made one or two start or one or two appearances out of the bullpen. Muller made several starts uh, in the middle of the season. Was pretty good, but was 
uh, you know, clearly having some uh, some issues with his command. He's a big left-handed pitcher. Uh, looks almost more like a linebacker than a pitcher. And then Tucker Davidson, again, he also made a start in the World Series. His didn't go as well as Kyle Wright's, uh, but he also had made a couple uh, starts in the middle of the season and looked quite good and then had some some arm troubles. So any of these guys, I think, could step up. And the Braves still have other guys I haven't even mentioned, but these are the ones I wanted to particularly point out as potential fist starters, guys who I think could show up in spring training and win a job. But the reality is um, there's there's no clear fifth starter, and really even when you throw in Inoa, there might not be a clear fourth starter. So there's a lot of question marks with the Braves and their starting pitching right now. Uh, but as I mentioned, uh, their top three are very solid, um, you know, set in stone, uh, barring an injury. And maybe I shouldn't mention that, but, you know, pitchers, that can always happen. Uh, the other strength that the Braves have is their depth. Their depth as an organization, it's not like they're going to run out of guys who can't legitimately go out and throw a big league game. And something that has happened this offseason very um, within the last few days is the Braves have tremendously bolstered their bullpen, of course, with the signing of Kenley Jansen, uh, with Colin McHugh, a few other smaller signings, the Braves bullpen, along with the night shift, <laughs> uh, those heroes of uh, last year's playoffs. You feel incredibly good about the bullpen uh, and their ability to support uh, the starting rotation. Uh, so those are strengths, right? We are moving into, um, you know, if you look at the, the full uh, Braves pitching staff, uh, you feel pretty good about it, but you do have one or two clear holes at the back end of this uh, rotation that you think might um, might serve the Braves well to target someone to strengthen it. Now, the wild card in all of this uh, is Mike Soroka, and you know Mike Soroka. I've number one, he's he's probably my favorite pitcher uh, for the Braves. I've just hated that his Achilles can't heal. <laughs> the the fact that he re-injured it last year. Everybody knows an Achilles injury is uh, potentially uh, problematic anyways. It just doesn't heal like uh, some other uh, injuries do. And so to re-injure it, uh, for him to come back at this point, uh, I just hope it happens. I hope it happens for him personally. Yeah, it's not something the Braves can, uh, can count on. But if he were to come back and be old Mike Soroka, you know, it would be it would be game changing for the Braves, not only in 2022, but moving far beyond that as well. So Soroka, kind of keep him in the back of your mind, right? Uh, if he does return, it would probably be late season, July, August. Uh, I don't even know if they actually have a timetable for him. Um, just see as you go. Uh, but he's certainly not going to be ready early on. All right. So as we as we have looked into the Braves' current pitching staff, I do want to compare what they currently have uh, to the other pitching staffs that um, I think these teams are going to be their primary competitors uh, this season. Uh, now, the first three staffs I want to compare them to is um, these guys are in the NL East, right? So the first, and I think the primary um, competitor to the Braves in the East this year is the New York Mets. The Mets, of course, have Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer at the top of their rotation. So undoubtedly, they are very heavy at the top. They have two of the top 
pitchers in all of baseball anchoring that staff. Now, how I decided to uh, compare these staffs is through um, wins above replacement uh, projections. Now, this is a projection through zips. There's several different projection um, analytic uh, options out there that you can look at. Um, zips, one reason I chose zips, the other one is steamer. Uh, I felt like steamer was undervaluing the Braves pitching staff, I think a little too much. I don't know why that is, uh, but it just seemed like they didn't like any of the Braves pitchers. Uh, I felt like it was a little unfair. So I went to zips instead. Uh, and uh, this is through Fangraphs. Fangraphs is pretty well known out there. So if anybody wants to really dive deeply and get into that um, that website, you certainly may. Uh, and, you know, projections are just what they are. I mean, it is based off of previous performance and you're, you're trying to, um, you know, read a crystal ball in terms of what what may happen. So, you know, take this for what it is. Uh, it's it's very imperfect but it's one tool you can use to, to try to figure out what the Braves currently have value-wise. All right, so uh, what I did is I took the top six starting pitching options for each team. I felt like five was a little limiting because, of course, uh, every pitching staff uses more than five guys throughout the course of a season. So that's how I did it. Um, Atlanta, when you combine the, their top six starting pitchers, projects to have a 14.4 wins above replacement uh, in total. Uh, and they like uh, Max Freed the most. Uh, that's not surprising. But again, they don't even have Freed as a four-win um, pitcher. Again, I think that's uh, pretty light. And they really don't like Ian Anderson. Generally, I think Ian Anderson is undervalued in uh, all of these projection systems. Uh, now, again, he, he really has not put together a great um, – a great single season yet, but I think uh, I think it's coming for him. So that is something to keep in mind. Now the Mets, remember, with Degrom and Scherzer at the top, those two guys make up a lot of this. But they have a total of 15.5 wins above replacement projected for next season. So uh, I don't think many would argue that the Mets have a better starting staff than the Braves. This is uh, showcasing that. The next one was surprising to me, however. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies have a 15.8 wins above replacement projected. Uh, Zips really seems to like uh, uh, Wheeler and um, and Nola. Nola had a really down year last year for them. Wheeler had a tremendous year, but uh, it is by far his best season ever. So I think... Uh, as projecting these uh, these two guys, they, they might have them a little higher than what might end up happening throughout the season. But we'll have to see. Miami, this was surprising to me, but it highlights something that I think is true for Miami and Atlanta. Uh, Miami is only at a 13.3 wins above replacement. I think a lot of people would consider them to have one of the best young pitching staffs in all of baseball. So why is that so, so low? Well, I think it's it's really difficult to project young players who haven't really established themselves. So that's particularly true for Miami, but it's also true at the back end of Atlanta's rotation. So if you have a young pitcher um, step up and have a four or five win above replacement season, it totally changes these numbers, right? And, and that could happen for Miami. It could also happen for Atlanta. So uh, I think this is where 
these projection systems are a little weak. All right, uh, then finally, I wanted to look at Atlanta's number one uh, competitor in the National League, and that's the LA Dodgers. Uh, they are projected at a 15.5 wins above replacement for their uh, top six starting pitchers. So as you look through all of these, you know, I, I threw in Miami because I think they have an outside shot at competing in the National League East. Um, I don't think they're Atlanta's primary competition, but you never know about New York or Philadelphia. You know, they are, they are projected to be good every season. Uh, the New York Mets uh, never seem to put it together. They always have something go wrong. Uh, Philadelphia, uh, they have some good aspects to their team, but offensively, it's like there are a bunch of designated hitters out there. They they have terrible defense to support their good, their few good pitchers, but they also aren't very deep. Uh, so, it, I think these teams are, you know, if they put everything together, they they could be the top competitors to the Braves. But we're just uh, we're obviously going to have to see how the season goes. So, anyways, I think um, I think the Dodgers are uh, the cream of the crop in terms of the National League in competing against the Braves. Now, with all this said, right, with New York, Philadelphia, and L.A., uh, these three starting rotations project, at least, to be better than Atlanta. And I think that does, um, I think that's somewhat accurate. I think right now, objectively, these uh, these pitching staffs are better now, remember, I'm not including in these numbers uh, bullpen. So the Braves' bullpen is going to make up for a lot of this already. I think if Anthopolis is, is really trying to um, analyze fully uh, each each team's pitching staffs, I think he feels really good that the Braves' bullpen is the best in baseball, at least the best in the National League, and could make up for some of this. But you, got, you can also hurt your bullpen uh, by throwing them out there too much. You need... You need your starters to cover innings. And so I am pretty sure that Anthopolis would still like to add a starting pitcher. All right, so uh, let's get into what options he might have to go after a starter uh, this offseason. The reality is the pitching market is very thin. There's basically no free agent out there to go out and get. So you're going to have to go make a trade. Now, I don't want to belabor this point because I've mentioned it a lot, but by not re-signing Freddie Freeman and being forced to go out and get Matt Olson, the Braves have depleted their um, their prospect capital a great deal. This does not mean it's impossible to make a trade at this point, but it means that certain guys may be off the table or if you were to go out and get them, it's going to be incredibly painful and your, um, your minor leagues are going to be really, really weak, uh, probably the weakest in baseball moving forward. Now, that might be okay. I mean, the Braves are in win-now mode. They have very young guys signed for a lot of years. But organizational depth does matter uh, no matter who you are. And so it's going to be interesting to see what Anthopolis might be willing to do. All right, so I have two guys who I think are the most likely targets uh, for Anthopolis because of they they are because they are slightly cheaper to go out and get. Now I'm using uh, the uh, MLB Trade Simulator uh, website again for these guys to kind of project uh, what it would take to go out and get them, uh, and I want to throw out some numbers as well so that you guys know a little bit of who each of these guys are. All right, so my, my first target is Sean Manaya. Uh, he's a left-handed pitcher out of Oakland. 
yeah, he's out of Oakland just like Matt Olson. So maybe, uh, maybe this is a connection that w could be easily made since these two GMs have already been in talks throughout most of the offseason. Manai is on his last year of a 10-year contract, so that might be something that the Braves like. Now, $10 million is a, is a little steep in, in terms of what they might have to spend um, for the remainder of the season. I don't know where they are, but I think money with all these guys is something to keep in mind. Uh, Manaya has never been dominant, but he's been consistently solid throughout his entire career, and solid is good. Um, Last year, he had a 3.4 wins above replacement season. Uh, he had a 3.91 ERA. Uh, he pitched 179 innings. Uh, this guy is going to go out, and, and he he does project to be a middle uh you know middle of the rotation guy, right? He's going to take the ball every day, every fifth day. Uh, he's going to give you some innings, uh, and he, while he might not be dominant every time out. Uh, he's probably going to keep you in the game most of the time. This guy is going to cost you probably two to three mid-level um, mid prospects. Two to three. Um, I don't think you're going to have to trade. Uh, in fact, I know you won't. You will not have to trade a Michael Harris um, or some someone like that at the very top end. But you're going to have to trade You know, some of your probably pitching depth, maybe uh, a mid-level um prospect or two uh, to go out and get this guy. So keep that in mind. Now, the other guy that I have that I think is um, potentially um, easier to get would be Kyle Freeland. This is this guy's a left-handed pitcher out of Colorado. Uh, he had a tremendous 2018. So it's, he's pretty far removed from his best season. But keep in mind, he had a great season in Colorado, which is hard for anybody to do. So he has ability. He had a very bad 2019 um, to back up that great season, but then he's been pretty solid ever since, uh, at least solid for being a pitcher in Colorado. Uh, last season, uh, he had a 2.3 wins above replacement season. Uh, his ERO was at 4.33. Uh, he only pitched 120 innings. I'm, I'm, I didn't dive into all of the reasons why. Um, he doesn't seem to be injured, but I, I don't know why he pitched so few innings. Uh, the thing with any pitcher in Colorado is what is he going to be like when you get him out of Colorado? Uh, I think it's kind of opposite of, of hitters. Hitters, you, you kind of worry that once they leave Colorado, they won't be as good. Pitchers, you kind of expect them to be better because you have to pitch totally differently in Colorado. The ball doesn't move as much and, and that sort of thing. So uh, I would be curious about this guy. He's because he hasn't had great seasons lately. Uh, this is the cheapest guy on the on my list. Uh, probably one uh, mid-level prospect could get him um, a Bryce Elder or a Jared Schuster. Uh, I would prefer getting rid of Schuster um, for Kyle Freeland. I think you could go out and get him if Colorado is willing to do that. Colorado is a little weird right now because they went out and signed Chris Bryant after it kind of looked like they were. Um, we're not going to be heavy competitors in the free agent market this year. So I don't know what Colorado is trying to do, uh, but if they make him available uh, and they don't value him as much, then I think it would be worth going out and getting Cal Freeland. Okay, um, the next guy, uh, the, the next four guys I'm going to list are tougher to get. Now, these are guys that I think, again, I was kind of targeting these guys with the idea that Freddie Freeman was coming back and you would have some more 
uh, trade pieces in place. So th these guys definitely are going to hurt to go out and get, but they're also going to be better and longer term options. All right, the first guy and the guy that I really do like is John Means. He's a left-handed pitcher out of Baltimore. He has been very good and very consistently good for the last three seasons. Remember that 2020 season was was shortened, uh, but he's had he's been a 10-war player uh, in those three seasons. This guy is not a like blow you away kind of you know he's not throwing 97 from the left side, but he walks no one. He has an incredibly low WHIP, uh, walks and hits per innings pitched of 1.03. That is elite. Um, last season was very good for him. Uh, 4.0 wins above replacement. He had a 3.62 ERA in 146 innings, and this is this was for a very bad Baltimore team. Uh, the other thing that is really good about John Means is he gives you some um, some solid production for three years. He is under contract for three years at $18.6 million or thereabouts. Some of these guys that are still, I think Means is still in arbitration. So that is, um, I think, <laughs> a projection of what he's going to make. But, but nonetheless, he's not going to break the bank. Uh, you would have him for longer term uh, situation. And so that's another reason why I like John Means. Um, to get to get Means, it would take probably a package of uh, Inoa and Waters and Tucker Davidson, or if you would prefer, and I wouldn't prefer this, but if you would prefer um, Michael Harris and T Tucker Davidson. So that's that's the kind of step up that these next few guys are going to take to go out and get them. Probably the best pitcher on my list is this next guy, Luis Castillo. Uh, he's a right-handed pitcher out of Cincinnati. Uh, he is um, definitely the most talented guy on this list. He's a strikeout guy. He had a great season last year at a 4.8 war season. Uh, his ERA was at 3.98, 187 innings. Uh, he's been very consistent over his entire five-year career, so that's one thing that I look for for these guys. I don't want you know to go out and pay high um, a high price for a guy who had one great season and then just tanks afterwards because baseball is full of those guys. Um, Castillo is going to be the most expensive guy. So a package of Michael Harris, Kyle Muller, Wasker, and Noah, and Jared Schuster would probably get Castillo. Uh, I honestly don't think I would be willing to do that deal. I'm putting this guy on here because, hey, I mean, that would be, it would make the Braves staff elite along with an elite bullpen, you know, so uh, it, I think simply making this move could, could turn the Braves into the, uh, the World Series favorite. So if you're willing to go out and do it, you do it. But uh, I think the price would be so high. I just, I don't know that I'd do it. All right, the next guy on my list, uh, Frankie Montes. Uh, he is also out of Oakland. So you can, as you can see, Oakland is kind of selling off all their, their big pieces right now. Uh, Montes to me um, is actually a little bit of a step up from the guy I already mentioned, Sean Manea. Uh, Montes is a right-handed pitcher. Um, he's a, he's one year younger than Manea. Um, he's on a two-year deal for thirteen million dollars. Um, so you have him for two seasons. That's one reason why he's going to be a little more expensive to go out and get uh, compared to Manaya. Uh, his last season. Now this is one one negative to me that his last season was really his first full season as a big league starting pitcher. He's kind of been back and forth in Oakland for a few years. Um, but he, he pitched a full, um, 
a full season last year. So he had a 3.6 war. Uh, he had a 3.37 ERA, really nice low ERA, in uh, pitched 187 innings. He's a high strikeout guy. Um, and so, yeah, he would be a great addition. I think several teams are in on him right now. Um, the rumors I'm hearing around there. Uh, so, you know, do the Braves want to get into a bidding war for someone like this? Probably not. So his package is going to be incredibly similar to John Means. Um, probably that, that same package of Inoa Waters and Davidson or Harrison Davidson. Something like that is what it would take to go out and get him. All right, the last guy on my list is also in Cincinnati. You know, I'm mentioning Cincinnati, by the way. They have saw, they have been selling a good bit, um, traded several of their, their key pieces. Uh, so that's, that's why I think they might be a team that would dump some of these guys. But I also wonder, the, these guys are younger and cheaper, and they might just roll with, with them. So they, they might not even be available. But uh, anyways, Tyler Molly, I think I'm saying that right. Um, he's a right-handed pitcher from Cincy. Uh, he is under contract for two more years at $14 million total. Uh, he had a great year as well last year. You know, since he, since he had a pretty good year last year, and these, these two pitchers were a reason why. So he had a 4.9 uh, war season, uh, 3.75 ERA, uh, 184 innings pitched. He's also a high strikeout guy. Uh, so I think, you know, this guy is one of those as well, kind of like Montes. Uh, this was his first really really great season he did have a solid 2020 but again 2020 was a shortened season so it's hard to read too much into that um and again this guy's probably about the same package as uh means and montas uh so the the projections um really like luis castillo the best uh they kind of put him in a different class uh compared to the rest of these guys but as i said he is by far the most expensive guy on this list um, what would I do? Um, looking through all these guys, I, I really like John Means because he gives you that third year. He would be in the rotation for a long period of time. He seems like a really solid guy. If you remember, he pitched a no-hitter this past season. Um, and being good on a bad team is not an easy thing to do. So I really wonder how he would be affected by coming to um, a contender like like the Braves. Um so of the, the guys who I think would be more expensive or tougher to get, I think I like Means the best. Um, going after a Sean Manaya or Kyle Freeland, I would not be opposed to that at all. Freeland you could probably get for a low um, a low price tag. And Manaya, I think uh, his, his price is reasonable too. So I think those three guys, I would not be shocked if the Braves were to go out and get. I would be pretty surprised if they paid a higher price for these other guys. So nonetheless, you know, the impact of, of adding one more starting pitcher um, is going to be, if you think back to the projections of those those starting staffs of, you know, National League teams who are going to be in contention, it, it probably puts the Braves at least on an even playing field or maybe even puts them above some of these other teams in terms of the projections. Having uh, a really, really solid starting staff is a great way to pretty much ensure that you're going to be at the top of the NL East next year, particularly when you can combine it with that great bullpen that they're going to have. Uh, so I do hope they add a starting pitcher. I, I still think not bringing back Freddie Freeman is is making this a lot harder for Anthopolis uh, to make happen. Um, and it might simply just change who he, who he targets. I would be surprised 
if he doesn't bring in somebody. Um, I, I hope it's not somebody just off the trash heap, <laughs> you know, some reclamation project. I hope it's one of these guys who can who can step in and be a, a really solid starter for the rest of or for the, the entirety of the 2022 season. All right, guys. Well, that's what I have for you today. Uh, we'll see how uh, how the offseason plays out with the Braves starting rotation. Uh, my next episode will be on the Braves bullpen and bench. Uh, a lot has been done over the last uh, few days to bolster both of these. And so some of this will be an analysis of what has already taken place. And then I'll also talk about what might need to happen uh, moving forward. Uh, this is... Uh, the next episode will be my last episode in terms of the Braves to-do list for the offseason. Uh, once we get past that, we'll start analyzing where the Braves are. Uh, we'll start looking into some spring training uh, happenings. Uh, and then we will, uh, as we get closer and closer to the season, uh, we'll really dive into what the Braves have to do uh, to win the 2022 World Series. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember to um, to follow and like me on Spotify. I am also now on uh, Google and Apple um, podcasts as well. So uh, if you want to look listen to me there, uh, I am there as well. So I appreciate you guys and your support and hope you have a great one.